Everybody's got a to-do list, dropping off dry cleaning, picking up some milk. Here's an idea. Let's add save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. And the good thing is you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance, extra money in your pocket. It just may be the most rewarding to-do you do today. Plus, they have the funniest TV commercials, so that's got to count for something, folks. Now, Podcast One brings you Spike's Car Radio, a downloadable Cars and Coffee, hosted by writer, comedian, and automotive enthusiast, Spike Ferriston. Now, here's Spike. Welcome to Spike's Car Radio. How are you, everybody? Welcome. I'm happy you're here. We've got a fantastic show for you. Left a seat open, of course, for you at the table. We're going to have uh, we're some car talk today. We're going to have some watch talk. Uh, I don't know if you know about Phillips Auction House, but they're the folks that auctioned off that Paul uh, Newman, Newman Dow Rolex Daytona for about 15 mil. Um, somehow they got in touch with me. I think they got in touch with me over Instagram and asked if they could come in the studio. And I said, absolutely not, unless... You bring a briefcase full of multi-million dollar Daytona watches, and they said yes. So they're coming in to tell us about um, their auction and and why these watches are worth what they're worth, and uh, if we're lucky, Zuckerman. Well, maybe we can just maybe we can just take one. <laughs> right? maybe, I'm maybe, planning on mugging. <laughs> maybe it's like candies. Now, be honest. When I told them that uh, that you were coming on, um, or that the Phillips guys were coming in, what did you want to do? You started planning I, a heist. I started planning a heist. I started thinking, look, a couple of dumbbells, a couple of <laughs> couple of robes are going to think that they could just go to Beverly Hills with a briefcase full of watches, multi million dollar, multi million dollar watches, and they're going to their guard is going to be down. And I was just thinking, what if a guy ran up? Stole the briefcase <laughs> and ran off. And you know that guy? Do you know the guy you would hire to do it? Okay. <laughs> I, I didn't really take it that far, but I thought of a few people. We were laughing because we thought this would be really funny if we just decided to throw it all away. The families, the careers. Jerry was sitting with us, too. And we thought, let's just pull a watch heist. I don't know why I have a felonious mind, but when I think of a guy walking around with a briefcase full of a couple of million dollars worth of watches, I think if, if it's not if <clears throat> it's not. I always used to think about, remember the diamond guys with the with mm-hmm. the handcuff, yeah. the briefcase that has the handcuff? Right. And I was thinking, why would you want that thing handcuffed? If somebody wants it from you, yeah, they're going to chop your fucking hand yeah, off. Yeah, that's a machete move. Yes. That's right. They're just going right. to chop it right off. Right. So. But uh, see, I, this is what I like about Phillips, because they had the, uh, the, the Newman Daytona here. It was on display at an art gallery, and they invited me down. And before I knew it, I'm wearing the watch. I put it on. I held it. I love that, and and all you of these put other on watches. Paul Newman's watch. I put on the watch, as did a lot of other, you know, actual notable watch guys. You had an identical watch. You could have, <laughs> you could have just easily in the mix substituted your. I could, but and, I seem to be one of the only people around who knew it was going to be a fifteen million dollar watch. So then you're doubly stupid. <laughs> so, and they and what I liked about them is they were just like, you go ahead and try it. Go ahead and put it on. I like that. And I don't want to change that about them. It, it did, did the there were of, no stanchions. There was it, no it anything else. You and, just you could run out the fucking door. Yeah. You didn't think about uh, No, 50, I didn't. You didn't think about it? No. Why not? Hey, it want, didn't even occur to you? Let's take a phone call. You want to take a phone call? We've never taken a phone call on the podcast. We're probably going to regret this, but but go ahead. Put in a phone call and let's see who's on there. Who do we have here? Who do you have? 
Austin Young. How are you? Who who is it? My name is Austin Young. How are you? I, I'm I'm well. How are you? I'm very well. Do you have a question well, for us? On Instagram. Oh, cool. So, so the modern market for Porsches, Ferraris, and these limited production cars, and the standard for it now is them selling at a premium. How long do you see that lasting? You mean broker cars? Brokered cars and dealerships. And dealerships, dealerships you know, knocking up, the, knocking it up. Good question. So, Zuckerman, what do you think about that? How long are these guys? Because, uh, you know, the brokers started doing this. The dealers got upset in general, and they said, we deserve some of this money. And now they're tacking on 10, 15, 30, 50 and grand to some of these exclusive cars. Dean, Dean Maroney will say that the first time he ever saw Now, cars, you're going to say Dean from Auto Gallery. Dean Maroney Not everybody from knows Auto, who that is. Dean Maroney from Auto Gallery says that it was really the... The E39 M5, where he started seeing the dealers charging a real premium. Mm -hmm. And what you're going to – I don't think it's ever going to end. I don't think Porsche likes it. Ferrari tells their dealers not to do it, but dealers are greedy. They're people. And if anything is ever desirable, they're going to try to chisel. That's right. And I, I don't think anybody knows a way out of this at this point, right? No, because the, the car companies have to keep a certain degree of exclusivity. They have to limit uh, the production numbers. They can't flood the market and fuck themselves. So there is always going to be somebody trying, what do they call it? Take, take advantage of so the inefficiencies you, of the so market. So what do you do? You know, all, all day long, I'm sure like you, but all day long people are writing me on Instagram going, hey, I need help, I need help. And, and usually I feel the GT3 questions. <laughs> Those are my favorite. And there was a guy looking for, a GT3 Touring somewhere in the middle of the country. And he's like, they really, they want too much over sticker for this car. What What's the strategy? Can you, you know, I, mean, I said so you might, two, there are two, two but here's what I said, and you tell me if I'm wrong. I said, start calling every dealer in the United States, what? you know, especially the ones without vibrant Porsche markets, like maybe Iowa, okay, maybe so there's Kentucky, three strategies. right? There's and then, three and then strategies. no, wait. And then also the oh, second God, thing wait. was, the uh, just let these cars sit for a little okay, while. Okay, that's I'm with you okay. on that. So that's strategy number two. So strategy number one is to call all over the country. But now, now the smaller dealerships, the smaller dealerships, if they get an allocation of one car, they're smart enough to try to trade it to the auto gallery or South Bay Porsche and get something that right, they can sell. Right. So they're hip too. So that's so your number one way might have worked twenty years ago. And I you, don't and, think it and, works today. And you're you're reminding me of C.J. Wilson, who runs Fresno, our friend yeah. C.J. He, that's what he does. Yeah, these guys call those. They get to know these guys and they trade for those right. cars. So they're right? trading for what they can get, what they can sell in their markets, and and they're swapping what works in, in the respective markets. Right. So your second thing is to wait for the market to cool off and hope. That happens as it used to. Traditionally, cars would go down in value. The third strategy is to be a sucker like me and buy so many cars that they That's right. that they will actually you've wasted enough money and given them enough money over the course of the years that they will give you a car at sticker. That's right. So you got to be a sucker. I so mean, I, way another thing is just wait three years. Like mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm driving my dark blue GT3 right mm -hmm. now. I love it. It's three years old. I, I'm freaking out in the right. car. That's a perfect car for someone to jump into now. And You've waited. There's nothing over sticker. It's still going to be expensive, but it's not going to be even as expensive as a new car. And you're going to have a, a pleasant experience. And I'll it. tell you another thing. Paying over sticker only matters if you're keeping track. And if you were to keep your car for three years and you paid ten grand over sticker and you kept it for three right. years – 
what are you happy or not having bought it, or are you happy or having spent the ten grand over sticker? No, I, I, listen, I've I've been having this discussion with a lot of Rolex Daytona guys because I've noticed when you see another guy with this new Rolex Daytona, if they got it for sticker, if they got it for list, that's the very first thing they throw out there. Like a guy that went to Harvard, like within a minute they're right. going to say, "By the way, I went to Harvard." They throw that out there. If you have the money, and, I, and this is what I say back to that guy, I paid over what Rolex wanted, and I'm, I got mine before you, and I'm just as happy. And like, I'm, who cares if you have the money to spend on this car, and it's, and it's not so bad over sticker, just, you're not going to regret that if you have the money. P.S. I think half the people that say they got it a sticker are fucking lying. Yeah, that's I, right. I, 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 I'm, maybe three quarters. Yeah, all right, let's take another call. Thank you for the question. Don't ever call again. <laughs> don't say that they're children listening i didn't say you, you didn't hear it okay what do you got hello who's there hello yes hi this is andrew originally from los angeles but living in chicago right now okay details um, i don't need what's your question yeah what's your exactly question? i'm that yeah um i was asking or i was wondering when or what are you guys bringing for lifticult and what do you guys think uh, oh there you go uh, what are we bringing for lifticult are you coming to lifticult I am. I'm actually one of those random people on Instagram at Porsches that's always like pestering you guys to, to check out the cars, but I'll be flying back. Do you have a car? I do not. I'm in medical school right now. Oh, cool. So you're just so, a fan. See, this is what I like about Lufticult. Everyone is welcome as long as you love air-cooled Porsches. Um, Zuckerman, I believe you're bringing the ice racer, right? I am bringing the ice racer. It's that's gonna right. Be, it's got a position in of doors uh, somewhere mm -hmm. prominent. That's good. Yes. And will, how much time will you spend down there? <laughs> okay, you're talking to a guy that has that has anxiety or phobia or a lack of desire to go anywhere and do anything. So the answer right. is is that that I will spend way much way longer thinking about how I don't want to go there than actually being yeah. there. But it is fun. I mean, it of is. all the shows that that we go to, this is probably the only show I actually like to go to. That I'll actually admit that I I like to be there. I like talking to the fans there. I like the cars. There's good music. They there's do it there's right. women, which you never see, and there's no pressure. Don't you right? There's no pressure. Show up whenever you want. Leave whenever you want. I and and my favorite part of the show is the old guard, the old Porsche guard, the old guys just standing there in their cargo shorts, scratching their head, going, "What is this? What is this? What did they do? I'll tell you what they did. Patrick Long." reinvented the car show he did he made it cool. <laughs> and it's way better than anything else out there you have another call for us because the phillips guys are here no oh good that's good the, the phillips guys are here there snatch. they are there. i want to snatch their watches no gone. you're not going to take yeah, their watches yeah, that is not you I cannot steal, you can't I steal that. that shit the guy's laughing like he thinks it's not going to happen <laughs> <laughs> of course it's not but it's nice of them to bring them down here zuckerman i wanted to talk to you about um I know you want to bring this up, but I, I believe it's a complete and utter waste of time and a waste of our listeners' time. But if you, but but since you are a co-host here, I'm going to give you a chance to to say it if you want. I think you know With about how Porsche. to pronounce Porsche. Okay. So if you want to really go down this road, which I don't think fire you should, because I think you're fire smarter away, and I think you're better. Fire away, because the, the, again with this swearing, you know, I you know, dads have been writing me that their kids are listening. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> he can turn the radio but, off. <laughs> but just think about that. Just you don't. Just be nice. There, there might be some young youngsters out there. Okay. All right. 
I would gladly like to discuss this issue but with you, you sir. <laughs> you want it, but do you, you do you really want to debate it, or are you just trying to show off your debating skills, which no, I know are going, fantastic? I am not going to engage in tricks of rhetoric or sophistry to win. It's just a it's a merely a logical it, and consistent. It's a it's a matter of consistency and logic. Okay, Jalopnik just did a argument about this. That's I don't fine. think, by the way, it was Ralph uh, Raphael Orlov and Kristen. I can't remember her name. I love their site. I don't think they did. I think Kristen did a great job. I don't think she really made her case, but. I, I don't think they really talked about the central issue here, which is this is this is like CNN debating facts. <laughs> There's no point to it. It's stupid. It's ruining this country. There, no, there no, is a point. There's no need to there's it. When point. when there are facts out there, they should just well, be facts. They shouldn't be debated. You're right, and you are not right. And we're talking about how the word Porsche is pronounced. Right. And there are some people, and I'm surprised that this gentleman here, who's a car collector who collects Porsches, has been called out several times on the podcast for saying Porsche, okay. like a guy from so, Texas <laughs> okay, so they, ordering they, ribs. There is an issue about- I'm in the about, yellow Porsche over There's there. an issue about consistency. Okay. An application of consistent principles uh, in of pronunciation. Okay. So it's not that I am- a heathen. It's not that I don't know how, if one was in Germany, how one would pronounce Porsche. Mm -hmm. But here in the United States, I tend to use the pronunciation of my fellow Americans pronouncing things in American they English. They are in the min minority. That is not what Americans well, are okay, saying. Okay, so then here's, here's the deal, my friend. So since <clears throat> we are going to pronounce Porsche as Germans, then we must apply that to all other German car companies. And you must go around and you must pronounce Volkswagen as Volkswagen. You must say BMW. You must say Brabus. You must say Brabus, Brabus is how a German would pronounce Brabus. Right. So you are perfectly content to walk around and say BMW, but that's not how a German. I could walk into it. Target too and still say that, and I'm going to be incorrect because well, so the determination you, is made you, by the company. Ha, well, okay, but then you, my friend, as being only a quarter Jewish, yes, have a different you. relationship to Germans telling you how to say things. <laughs> and so I'm, you, you know that a fucking German tells me how hey, again with the F bombs. Okay, that a German tells me how to say something is also going to make me naturally say it the way I want to. And I don't know if you being a quarter Jewish can quite feel it the way I feel it. This but is not a question about race, Zuckerman. It is this is the question friend. about, there are two things, all right? Okay, so I And it's simple, and I think everybody listening will agree with me completely. One is, this is a family name. The family name is Portia. Okay. That's one. That's, so what, that's their name. Okay, in The Portia. There's no different pronunciation okay, of my name around will you the world. Say, will you say, bra oh, there is, my dear friend. I I don't want to talk there, about Brabus or anything else. In, I want to talk Germany, about Porsche. In Germany, your name is a German name. Secondly, here's your my, name is a German name. And in second Germany, thing you need to take they would they would say it differently, my friend. You would pronounce your proper would, German name differently. Yes, they would pronounce it incorrectly. Is what you're saying? Because no, that's what a, that's as, what a They would pronounce is. it as Germans because your real name is Ferristein, I believe. Before it was no. Is your name Fernstein? Fernstein, <laughs> so or Fernstein, or something like that. So generations they, ago, again, yes. they would pronounce Fernstein, okay, differently than the way you pronounce it today. Yes, and I am not a product 
I am not something that okay. has commercials. I am not something put out by a corporation well, who knows what their product is called. I'm just telling you that you do not pronounce. You do all not right. pronounce. Well, I don't. It. I don't feel like you made so, your case, but let, that's me, just, all right. so let then, me just put it to rest. I, want I think it's a waste of everybody's no, time. No, I want. And I reached out. I reached I out. I want you to say AMG, <laughs> AMG for AMG, and I want you to say, and I want you to say Brabus, at yeah. all, and that is a name. You know what I would do? I would go to each of those companies and say, "How do you pronounce the name of your product?" I would in say, this "Yes, Herr Porsche, would you please tell this Jew Zuckerman how to pronounce your <laughs> name properly?" And while we're at it, why don't we talk about things in the Pissed. All right. Well, I, I I took it upon myself to reach out to Porsche, and I got a response they, from they them. Can say and it. I asked them just they very, want to say Porsche. I asked I them Porsche. very simply, "What do you call your cars here in North America? How do you pronounce it? Is there a definitive pronunciation?" Of course, they, they responded say. yes, and they sent me to the YouTube video that we've all seen oh. before that says, "This is how our product." Is pronounced. This is how we would Porsche. like you. Anybody else who's saying it, and this guy was not German. This That's is an American he's PR a, he's rep. He's part of the company, and he's a PR rep. And he said, this is how we want okay. it pronounced. Let so there it is, question. audience. There's no, one, there's no more argument. If I'm going to say one of the things. You really have not made your case. Uh, well, but you I thought you were gonna, funny we're in gonna, doing gonna, it. And gonna, I know I don't think you really believe this. And, I, and we're going to ask the audience to, to respond and say, do I have a Please. point or not? And I have a feeling. I want to see everybody in my audience who doesn't know how to pronounce this. If I walk into the dealership and say to them, with a bag of money, I want to buy 10 Porsches, do you think they're going to turn me away and say, no, you didn't Well, what do you mean, right? Porsches? You just said Porsches. I said, not Porsche, us. <laughs> oh, Porsche. <laughs> it's Porsche. Porsche. No, of course not, but that's not the point. Oh, There's no the pronunciation point. They'll test. take my fucking money, however I say their there fucking name. There he goes with F-bombs. There's another one. It's, it's un- I apologize to you dads and moms out there listening. <laughs> you and your kids. <laughs> Don't say that. That's not nice. Um, do Do you have anybody Brabus. else holding? Let's do one more call Brabus before we, we bring Volkswagen. in. I, I don't buy that. Brabus. Brabus. I like it, but I don't buy it. Brabus. All right. Let's. Who do we have Brabus. on the line here? Brabus. No, he's gone. Both of them dropped. Oh, both of them dropped. They took too long. All right. Well, um, why don't we do this? Why don't we take a little break and then we'll bring in the fellas from Phillips and we'll start talking watches. If you're looking to buy a car, you're probably familiar with the terms MSRP. You might even know what it stands for. But what does it actually mean? The same goes for invoice, list price, and dealer price. It's enough to confuse anybody. All you're really looking for is a price that actually means something. Introducing True Price from True Car. Now you can know exactly what you'll pay for the car you want, including fees and accessories, before you even get to the dealership. True Car dealers will show you the true price on cars like the one you want, all from the comfort of your home. And how do you know if your true price car is a great price? Because True Car shows you what other people paid for the same car you want. And your certified dealers know this, so they set their true price competitively so they can win your business. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. Are you looking for a champion's insight from a fan's perspective into the world of sports and entertainment? Then check out In the Key with me, NBA champion BJ Armstrong. And me, sports analyst Gerald Brown, right here on Podcast One. We know the business, and each week we'll chat with celebrity guests and provide an informed discourse on the cultural beats of the moment. Download new episodes of In the Key every Thursday on PodcastOneSports.com, the Podcast One app, or Apple Podcasts. You're listening to Spike's Car Radio. Welcome back to Spike's Car Radio. Um, you know, during the break, Dean called our friend Dean. We told him from to back. Yeah. Auto Gallery. From Auto Gallery. Let's uh, let's just take that call before we go. Dean, are you on the air? 
How can Shukerman be there? Oh, just, what is your question? Cut, cut with the cut with the comedy. We don't have time for it. What, do you have a question? We were just talking to you about the uh, talking about you. I think we were talking about the correct pronunciation of Porsche first. What is the correct correct pronunciation? You run a Porsche dealership. Well, it's somebody's name. It's Porsche. Thank you. All right. And what what were we? How? Why were we mentioning Dean? We were talking about. Oh, uh, a listener had a question. Dean, you can you can help us with this about when. When are the dealers going to stop uh, adding uh, money over sticker to cars? Is that ever going to go away? Uh, Charging over sticker not, by the dealership. Only if they only if they somehow demand it. The problem is there's never enough cars. You could build five thousand GT3s a year, but there's still going to be ten thousand people wanting. Really. Cars. And sure. so what do you advise someone who doesn't want to pay that much over sticker? What are your what are your best strategies that you could tell them? Well, you got to find a guy like me that you can uh, establish <laughs> a relationship with. Right. Okay. Well, I mean, it, it, it's not self-promotion, but it's, I'm just telling you the truth. You've got to establish, um, you know, a relationship with a dealer or somebody at a dealer. And what does that mean? That you, ha- you have to buy a few cars? It helps. It helps. It helps. This is, it, he's such a salesman. It, it helps. Well, but listen, Ferrari, Ferrari, Ferrari has. You'd have to buy every car that they offer you to get a car at MSRP. Right. But that that means that if you Spike wants to buy a Ferrari and he's not on the list, he's paying over window for the pre-owned car. Right. I don't see a solution as long as they make limited amounts of cars. People are going to charge over window. And it is it, it, is it worthwhile calling around all these other dealerships, or are people kind of wise to that at this point? You know, calling well, Iowa, well, calling Kentucky, calling Georgia. Well, well maybe the not problem Georgia. There is well, even 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 our dealers up north are only getting a few cars. Right. You know, the the bigger dealers are the ones that get a lot of cars, and Porsche is is trying to uh, stop this, as you know, by making the nine eleven uh, making the touring package. But it's still happening. You know, there's just too many people that want the car. Well, so I don't, see, I don't see how you stop it. I really don't. Greed is never going away. <clears throat> no, it's not. So there you go, folks. There's the answer to your That's question. Right. Dean, thank you for calling in. We have to run. Thank you, guys. All right. Talk to you soon. Let's bring in the folks from Phillips. This is going to be fun, Zuckerman. We're going to oh, see nice. some beautiful watches. Come on in, guys. Look at these oh, guys. Nice. They're, they're dressed nicer than you, Zuckerman. They probably drive Brabus. <laughs> no, they don't. I don't know who we're even meeting there. Hi, how how are Look you? Look at this, Jed. You got any, you got <laughs> any got watches a, uh, on you? He's got a, a nice pink shirt on. How do you on feel and... about Germans telling you how to pronounce things? Actually, I take it with constructive uh, enthusiasm. Hold actually. on, Tuckman. No one can hear him when he's not talking into a microphone. He's saying here, he hates here, when here, Germans here. tell him <laughs> these things. Ste- put, step up to the mic there, and, and, and you don't have to put your headphones on. Just but, be but close. I, I don't quite know who you are who, oh, who are you i'm paul boutros hi paul very nice very to meet nice you this is uh paul zuckerman. zuckerman paul very nice to meet you and uh, and you work with phillips phillips the auction and, house and what's your job so i represent the u.s um the actually the americas for the watch department of the phillips auction house okay so I'm, I'm the head of americas and um i help the team source properties source great watches here in this side of the world uh-huh and um, 
answer client questions, um, sell those watches to clients here, and uh, we organize exhibitions, which what, what we have here in L.A. this week is an exhibition of our spring Geneva highlights. Uh-huh. And, uh, now, are you yeah. the guy that found this Newman watch? Did you? Are you the one who chased it down? I, I did not find He's it. He's trying to take credit for it. <laughs> I, no, see, I, <laughs> I see the desire to take credit. Please, take credit. No one's listening. Just... I, I was responsible for executing the auction. Ah. I, was, I was responsible for it. Well, did congratulations. Thank you. Did you get a bonus? Not yet. <laughs> Can I represent you in this matter? Am I, I would correct? Appreciate the help. Am I correct in assuming that you did not expect that result to be so high? Absolutely correct. Where, where was your thinking on the watch? So, we, and I don't mean you personally, but the company. Where were you guys thinking it might come in at? We received the watch in May 2016, so a little bit over a year before we auctioned it. And at the time, the most expensive Rolex that ever sold at auction was 2.4 million. U.S. dollars, most expensive Rolex ever. And which one was that? What it was, was it? A split second, uh, one of twelve, reference four one one three, oversized chronograph made for race car drivers in the nineteen forties. Oh wow! And it was only given to race car drivers. It mm-hmm. was never sold in stores. So, and it, but that's old too. That's interesting for a watch from nineteen forty. You wouldn't think there are guys buying that watch. Yeah, absolutely coveted reference. So when we got the Paul Newman. We figured, okay, the most expensive Rolex watch is $2.4 million. This is a very important Daytona. And for us, for me personally, this is probably the most, ex- most uh, important Rolex watch in the world. Mm-hmm. We s- decided on an estimate of $1 million U.S. to start. Bidding would start at $1 million, And we were thinking, you know, $3, $4 million would probably be the high, mm-hmm. um, the high bid. And later that year, in May 2017, uh, actually, a year later, May 2017, we broke the record for a Rolex watch at auction with the Bao Dai. It sold for $5 million. Wow. And then we realized, okay, maybe <clears throat> we were quite conservative. Uh, yeah. But never did we dream that it was going to hit $15.5 million. always knew. <laughs> I always knew. Well, I knew because I was you paying came. attention to their auctions. I was seeing the numbers they were getting on these watches, and I was wondering why, and I still don't know why, but why Phillips was scoring higher than Sotheby's, Christie's, and Antiquorum, and everyone else. I did, I Frankly, you weren't even on my radar, yeah, but we're, suddenly we're, Phillips' watches was. We're the new kids on the block. We mm-hmm. did not exist um, four years ago. We officially launched in November 2014, and we had the great um, good luck in being able to design a watch department from a clean sheet of paper the way we felt it should be designed. Was there competition to get the Newman watch from the, or did it? Or I bet w- no one was even thinking about it. These guys just chased it no, down. No, no. <laughs> in, in, in actuality, the watch found us, fortunately. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, so the consigner, his name is James Cox, wonderful guy. Uh, he knew he had something very important, and I think he was trying to figure out what to do with it. Mm-hmm. And he reached out, just as any normal person would, to people who specialize in vintage watches, and he saw immediate reaction. Wow, yeah, this is yeah. a very important watch. I'll buy it right away. And, and a few dealers were ready to, to pay good money for it. And at the time, fair prices. Right. Um, he goes to his lawyer, and he realizes – Now's the time for me to sell this, but I want to give a portion of what I receive to charity. Nell Newman's, Paul Newman's daughter, mm-hmm. her charity, the Nell Newman Foundation, which had only been recently stood up. So he really wanted to help her with the sale of the watch. So he consults his lawyer <clears throat> and asks him, what should I do? The lawyer says, look, before we do anything, one of my other clients is a renowned watch collector. His name is Tom Peck. He's a car collector as well. Let's talk to Tom. 
So the attorney calls Tom and, and tells him, what if I told you we have Paul Newman's Daytona? And Tom Beck was like, yeah, Paul Newman, Daytona, they sell for one hundred fifty to 250000 <laughs> The attorney says, no, no, no. This is Paul Newman's Rolex Paul Newman, Daytona. Yeah, it's the watch. What? Oh, wow. You've got to call Phillips. You've got to talk to Orel wow. Bax. And because Tom was buying watches through Orel right. for many years. Mm-hmm. And that relationship led the watch to us. So when Good Tom habits. called Orel, same story. What if I told you we have Paul Newman's Daytona? Oh, Paul Newman Daytona, 150, 250,000. No, 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 Orel, this is the watch. Yeah. Orel took the next flight the next day to California to meet with James Cox and came back the next day to Geneva with the watch in hand. There you go. The holy grail of watches. Yeah, but also it's got that little added wife permission. Of course, because there's an inscription on the back. No, no, no. The wife permission of an auction is the charitable uh, contribution. That get, lets the wife go, go ahead and do it. Yeah. <laughs> Those cars, you ever see the cars that are also for charity, but it's a great car and desirable? The numbers skyrocket. Doesn't, they skyrocket. And, and I hate to be it, it cynical, helps. but it doesn't hurt to offset your capital gains taxes by a charitable contribution. That is a that is a mm. side benefit of, of being charitable. <laughs> Here we are a few days before tax day. Yes. All dealing with that right now. Why did you have to bring that up? I know it's awful. Why? Why I just well my business manager just messaged me a second ago. So, so it's awful. You're the one who brought it up, by the way. I didn't say anything. You brought up tax day. I just oh. brought up saving taxes. Yeah. It's your fault. It's yeah. awful. Now we're it's depressed. A, now yeah. look. So tell me something, Mr. Boutros. Yes, sir. Your boss. No relation to Boutros, Boutros Gali. He's my uncle. No, he only kidding. Fantastic. No, no relation. <laughs> now, did you say to your boss, how did it feel to be carrying in his possession the most, the holy grail, the lost watch, the to have that coming home with that was that, is he ever going to be able to match that experience? Probably not. It, it, it really was like finding Noah's Ark, you know, the the Ark of the Covenant. It, for us, watch collectors, it's the Holy Grail. Mm-hmm. And he he told me once he received it, he called me and he said, Paul, you'll never believe it. He said I was – he said he was just shaking. He, he really couldn't believe it. Wow. He was, he was overwhelmed. Now, do you, do you put that watch through – do you fly private – all the way back, or do you put it through the x-ray machine to let someone snatch it and run out the door? We can't can't discuss how we transport such valuable No, I told you, I tried this watch on. I thought you guys were... Yeah, uh, you came and visited us. Very gracious with the watch. You let lots of... Was it really the watch? It was absolutely the watch. I don't believe that. With with no doubt. I showed you the pictures. This is your old man memory now. No, you could... They could give you another watch made to look like this. That's such... That's a ridiculous Uh, notion. Do you think that I... if, If I was the watch guy, the watch auctioneer, I would have a replication... To let people try on. They, I I, no, they. I, I think more than likely I expected stanchions and you can look at it from afar. But what you guys did that I found so interesting was you let the watch guys of note, the social media people, hold that watch and take pictures of that watch. And it, it got the message out pretty quickly. We, we really And did it wasn't it. just everyone. It was, you know, I, I think I probably shouldn't have been in the club that I saw of people who were holding the watch. But what? Um, what? Look how good his watch looks. What has he got? What, what is he wearing? You've got a you've got a modern Daytona, so I've got the grandfather, and he's he got the grandfather. It's beautiful. Thank you. Can I buy that from you? <laughs> <laughs> it's not for sale. 
Oh, well, that's, that's just that's like a red cake. He's here to talk about an auction. Did you, you brought watches with yes, you? Yes, I brought some. Oh, what did I you bring? So, but first of all, tell us what this auction is, when it is, and what it is all about. Yes, so we... Our first auction. Don't open those yet. Our first auction mm. of 2018 mm-hmm. is a special thematic sale dedicated exclusively to the Daytona. Wow. It includes vintage and modern Daytonas, just 32. The sale title is Daytona Ultimatum. It is the absolute finest collectible Daytonas ever assembled wow. in one sale. What's the earliest Daytona ever made? It was launched in 1963. 63. There um, you go. Similar year to the 911. Porsche 911, the 901. Oh, there you go. Taproot, Daytona. <laughs> Taproot. <laughs> We're both 63s and 64s. Yes. <laughs> so it's, it's been in continuous production since 63, and it's wow. evolved gracefully over time. Isn't that interesting? Yours is the latest generation with a ceramic mm-hmm. bezel I could see, and uh, it's still a classic. It's an iconic watch that um, has stood the test of time. The vintage examples look equally relevant today as they did And back where then. is this auction going to be taking place? So it's going to be held in Geneva. In Geneva. On May 12th. Okay. And that's going to um, – another auction is going to follow immediately after, and that's our Geneva Watch Auction 7, our seventh auction in Geneva, which is a various brand, various owner sale, uh, some of the finest – wristwatches across many brands and it, it, you know no one's not no one but most people aren't going to fly to geneva so i'm guessing we can we can sign up online yep, and watch yep. this thing go down you can watch the auction live you and can bid, bid on online uh-huh. we have a world tour for mm-hmm. the sale uh the first stop was hong kong then to singapore and now in la mm-hmm. then the watches will go to london then come back to new york uh april 26th through the 30th and where do most of these watches end up is there any one country that's buying them up it, it, wristwatch collecting is an absolutely global mm-hmm. um, hobby. phenomenon. It, it, totally. And, and, what, and what about verification and making sure everything is uh, kosher here? So that's where Philips stands out. We're the only auction house with a standing board of advisors, mm-hmm. uh, independent authority scholars, collectors, who we look to when we encounter watches that we are not so sure of. So we get multiple opinions and do our very best to ensure authenticity. Due diligence. Absolutely. Due diligence. We, we take right, that, because we take Rolex that very doesn't seriously. like to look at that stuff. Because Rolex they doesn't fe- help. They feel like they're in competition with their own product, the old stuff, the vintage stuff. <laughs> they, they, they focus on new. <laughs> right. And they focus on new. They will service vintage pieces mm-hmm. um, now in Geneva. Um, they will? Finally? They do. Because they stopped for a little while. In Geneva, they will help you out. Um, so you'd have to ship it off to Geneva. You'd have to get to Geneva. Okay. Um, Rolex USA, not so much. No. But other um, authorized Rolex or, or Rolex divisions across the world will sometimes help. Yeah. What I heard was you would turn it in for service. You'd get your service papers. Then you'd sell your watch with Rolex service you papers. And then occasionally there would be mistakes. And you, then you know this, Rolex this was on Rolex. the hook right, right. for it. So they, they shut it down for a little while. And so I think as of about three or four years ago, Rolex Geneva mm-hmm. started to offer the service. It's, it's not cheap. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rolex charges. So it's like a Ferrari classiche kind of thing where exactly. they verify and and they help you and and restore parts. And when not when you when you say not cheap, uh, so I send them my six two six three. What are they going to charge me? Your six two six three would probably cost about fifteen thousand dollars to service. Really? Yes. Wow. Well, I'd still be making money on that watch. <laughs> and what is your six two six three? What is that? That's well, the watch the, you just tried to buy I off his wrist. I understand, but people listening don't know what you're It's the about. reference 6263. Now, your 6263, is that – how many millimeters is that? It's 37.5 millimeters. Mm-hmm. Is that the normal millimeters? 
So they, or they come in different sizes. Uh, they evolved over time. So the very first generation was the you were, You're wearing 40 right now. I understand. Exactly. So the very first generation was reference 6239, which was about 37 or 36 and a half millimeters. Mm-hmm. Then it grew slightly with the 6262 slash 6264. Uh, the case grew p- p- about a half a millimeter or a millimeter. And then 37.5. That was the last case size for the manually wound Daytonas, what mm-hmm. we call vintage Daytonas. In 1988, when Rolex introduced the first self-winding Daytona with a Zenith-based caliber, the case grew to 40 millimeters, and they kept the 40 millimeter size to this day, even after in 2000 when they introduced their own in-house caliber, the 4130, it stayed at 40 millimeters. And with the ceramic bezel, today's latest 116500 in steel, it's still 40. Encyclopedic wow. knowledge. I would buy a watch from this guy. Well, let's look at some, and maybe we can <laughs> bid on them. Let's, these are some of the watches, or all of the watches that you're selling. I Just brought you a handful. A handful. Oh my God, well, this is exciting. Out. He's opening a from cardboard D- box Daytona here. Ultimatum. We had There's armed foam. security accompany There's me. Velvet. Oh, you did have armed security. Is that the, no uh, armed security the elderly gentleman over there? He's laughing. Yeah. So, so do you want to start with? He's like, I'll I'll shoot a bullet right through your head, Spike, if you don't shut up. Give you guys the option. Do okay. you want to start with the earliest, a model from? Yeah, let's start. Let's start from the beginning. You got it. This is great, and we'll take a couple pictures Holy. if we may. Look at these so beautiful gotta... watches. These so, are these are going to be part of the auction. These are part of Daytona Ultimatum. Wow. So what we have here is a, a one that we've named the Ancestor. Wow. Um, I've got a protective plastic that I'm just going to remove here. The Ancestor. So it's from 1963, the first year of production. Before Rolex settled upon the name Daytona, they called it the Le Mans. Really? And the first advertising uh, that Rolex did for this new model, they called it the Le Mans. And very soon afterwards, it's another 24-hour endurance race that they chose to name it the Daytona. So What a beautiful watch. And so clean. God, that looks new. What you find with any new Rolex product introduction, whether in historic times or even today, the watch evolves mm-hmm. with very subtle differences, even within the first year of production. And what makes this a, a, a perfect example? Are it box and papers? Is it condition? It you know? is the finest one we've ever seen of a double Swiss underline. So these are some of the nerdy details that make collectors <laughs> go crazy. Double Swiss underline, Zuckerman. And what would be the estimate on this most beautiful Watch Early one. Oh. So, so the estimate is one hundred thousand to two hundred thousand dollars. And unbelievable! It's because of the quality. Uh-huh. It has survived without ever having been polished. Mm-hmm. It has survived without hardly ever being worn. So, all the enamel in here, which is the tachymeter scale, mm-hmm. all that enamel is perfectly intact. The facets and edges and curves are exactly as Rolex made them and it was as it left the factory in 1963. Oh, so you're going to lose so much money in a minute. There's this luminous tower markers that help you tell time <laughs> in the dark. All those luminous <laughs> plots are original and were never touched and haven't flaked off. Wow. The hands are original. Would you be insane to wear this watch? You would not if you wear it carefully. <laughs> you <laughs> got to wear it. If you're going to hold it, may yes, I with pleasure. Just that's, be that's careful the fun with of it, you collecting oaf. watches is you can wear them and enjoy them. Um, a watch like this, you do want to be kind of careful because you, you don't want to hit it uh, against a doorknob, for example. Um, <laughs> or a microphone or headphones. So I brought, you like that. I All right. Let's see something else. See. Oh, bring a loop. 
Um, there's two Swiss. I've never used a loop on a watch. Is that where things really get crazy? You take it to your eye and you bring it up until it's in focus. We're all going to get pink eye from sharing this thing. <laughs> You'll see at six o'clock there are two I'm Swiss. I'm going to get a, a picture of you doing the loop, Zuckerman. Two Swiss this designations is... there, and Rolex initially designed the <laughs> dial for the case dimensions of the Daytona's predecessor, what we call the pre-Daytona. Once they put it into the watch, they realized you can't see the word Swiss, so they had to print Swiss again just above it. Wow. All right, bring so out something else. Bring out something else well, so we don't run out of time here. Second Swiss. It's hidden underneath the bezel. So go all the way to the edge of it's the dial. It's a little dark in here, it, so you may not see it. Barely popping up. I do see it. No kidding. So the double Swiss is fascinating. You collectors. like that, huh? Oh, there you go. We got a little more light. And then we have an underline, which this. The Daytona was introduced at the transition point between the use of radium and tritium. Mm -hmm. When governments were worried about too much radiation, they outlawed the use of radium. So and what is this this dial coating that turns uh, dials tropical? What was that stuff called? It, it's really the paint, and it's typically a defect in the paint that right. if it's exposed to sunlight or simply age, they turn from black to brown. And what years are those? those for it the it Rolex depends on the model. Mm -hmm. You find them in watches from the 30s. You find them in watches from 40s, 50s, even until the 90s. Right. You see some Rolexes with um, wow. these. Wow. And there's uh, no way to dials. fake that, right? There are ways to fake it. <laughs> uh, we, we, we're on the lookout for, for it. Right. Um, natural versus yeah, sin, um, yeah. I would imagine because that adds so much value to the watch. Exactly, because every, right. every piece becomes unique. Let's so let's go to here. the next. What year are we traveling what I, to? What if I don't want this to go to auction? What if I want to say to you, Paul, name your price. I'm going to just give you the money right now. For, so well, let's have the auction right now, right here. Do I hear 100000 we, we are agents on behalf of the consigner. So this still is the consigner's watch. Here's, so when we get a very serious offer for a watch outside of the auction, we present it to the client. Yes, and so the client can say, you know what? Yes, I'll take it now. And then we take the watch out of the auction. Or they say... Uh, nope, I believe in the auction process. I know I, this watch is going to get a lot of competition, so I'm going to. I can know, tell you right now, you're not going to get it. it. These guys, they they they're so far over the estimates. You know, wait till you see what happens, especially with what 32 watches. 32. It's going to be insane. It's going to be insane. In, in every auction, there are bargains. And, yeah, um, not so in this one. <laughs> well, now, what do we have there? That just looks like a regular modern Daytona from the mid-2000s, right? This one's from the 90s. From the 90s. So, so All right. It, it's there you the, go. Um, actually, you're right. No, this is from 2009. I'm sorry. Uh, so, yes, 2000s model, but a very special one. Yeah, why? We nicknamed what? it the winner, and it was given to a race car driver named David go. Brabham, who won the 24 Hours of Le Mans <laughs> In Are you sure that's not how you pronounce it? In 2009. Here, let's have a look. So I figured for... So it's a motorsports watch. Yes. With a provenance. Yep. And unusually, you, you find these winter watches for winners of the 24 Hours at Daytona race. Right. This one is for Le Mans, which is quite unusual. Why did Rolex do that then? Rolex is a, a major sponsor of motorsport and uh, sponsored this, this event. I think um, it comes with a special tire box that Rolex created for these winners. And um, it, the full package and it, the, the guarantee paper shows that Rolex sold it to mm -hmm. the Le Mans organization. Uh, just a very rare watch. Never been polished. It comes with how long signed is, How long has Rolex been involved with automotive brands and racing? 
I mean, with the Daytona race since 1963. 1963. It was, it was sponsoring, uh, I think. But not before year. then. The Daytona was the first one. It was always associated with motorsport. Remember that world record price the uh, reference 41-13 split second I don't know. The 40s, that just mm-hmm. oh right 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 okay. Pre- prior world record holder as of you know before May 2017 they were associated with these race car drivers and sponsored these races in a small scale mm-hmm. and kind of behind the scenes and only gave those watches to those racing team members that's a you're the perfect guy to ask about the Seinfeld Vic Elford Daytona oh. do you know that watch no I you, don't. You don't. All right. I'm gonna Tell pull, me. I'm gonna pull up a picture of this watch. All right. Um, let me just spell it out Porsche, here. Porsche. The first time they won a 24 hour race in 1968 with Vic Halford behind the wheel. Oh wow! And he was awarded, not surprisingly, a Daytona. Daytona Rolex. And here's a picture of it right here. Oh, fascinating. He owned the watch. Um, pretty much. Uh, I think right through when to the I, I actually don't know but he owned it for most of his life there's the watch right there wow. our friend has that watch How right cool. now Ben Clymer at uh, Hodinkee went through it and replaced the replacement parts that the Rolex service people put in and should not have and it, brought it back, back to, to original and excellent. its perfection it's right? beautiful and here it is now the watch awarded for Porsche's first win in a 24-hour race. And here's the, your picture of Vic Elford with his cheese-eating grin. Fantastic. W- what is a watch like that going to be worth? Um, I would, you know, off the top of my head, I think we would put a very high auction estimate towards it. Uh, <laughs> you, think, you think it would hit seven it, figures? If it has a case back engraving, all the better. It would enhance its value slightly. It has paperwork, and it has uh, a letter from Vic who handed over the watch. Yep, I mean... And it, 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 he has the whole story. In fact, Vic, is, Vic Elford is still alive and called Jerry about the watch. And, and oh, said, you said oh. who it was? Oh. Well, no, we've talked, we've about, talked Jerry about Jerry it. about that over and over again. Yeah, if um, that would have been a watch likely selected for the Daytona Ultimatum theme song. Right. Just so yes. You know. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so that, that would have that's been That's a very that, important Daytona. That's a very important Daytona, Jerry. Would All you right? sell it? He Now, he has the car, too. I mean, he was offered that, first of all, he was offered that watch for the very low five figures. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. he turned it down. Repeatedly. <laughs> Repeatedly. Wow. And I would you, stra- you try to him. strangle him. Yes, we were all going, you get the watch. <laughs> but he didn't believe, he didn't believe, it. he didn't understand the whole vintage Rolex thing. And he also mm. just didn't believe in the value of it. And then it, it kept going up, and then it was, you know, eventually it was in the low six figures when it was offered once more, and I said, jump on it, and he finally bought he, he it. He bought it. But, but still, compared to, you know, the first watch you just showed us, yeah, so this it's has a bargain. An, this has an estimate of fifty to 100000 It's wow. a modern 2009 Le Mans yeah. watch. So there you, you go. So, see, so Zuckerman, you, do you see what I'm seeing now? Do you get it? High, so would you say high six figures, low seven figures for Mr. Seinfeld? <laughs> yes. What a lucky piece. Of, I'm not going to say curse words anymore. <laughs> you already said that to him, but, didn't but, you? He well, is. He can't help himself but make money. The greatest thing was he got, the, he got the watch, and he cried hot tears. <laughs> Ooh, this is a piece of shit. It's never going to see the light of day <laughs> ever was, again. It was all and, mucked up. And, and he was like, why we, did you talk me into this bike? He was so like a he little baby. He said, I'm baby. never going to oh. wear it. I am never going to wear it. It will never see the light it of day again. It will never see the light of day. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that 
I would advise him <laughs> to put it up at auction. <laughs> to dry his tears. But the a, real a, question a watch is. Auction, do not include it with the car. Do not. See, that's the Se- other point right. I made to him just last week. I said sell this separately. separately. Right. It'll stand out in a Phillips auction. We would get the right buyers for it. Oh, this it, is the, so the worldwide good. community would worldwide. compete for it. This is so good. Oh, I Mr. feel so Hot good right tears. now. Hot Tears uh, Seinfeld just made a million dollars. Between the 917 I made him buy and that watch, how much money does that guy owe me right now? <laughs> how much money does he owe me? I get no percentage of that. He owes you eight figures easy. 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 That's it. You know what yeah. I'm going to take? I'm just going to take a couple cars. Yeah. I'm going to take that uh, 65356 with no miles on it, the Chick Iverson car. I'm going to take that. Funny, we were just I like that on car. the way over. He asked, "What color should he do PTS?" And I said, "Chick Iverson orange." Oh, that's interesting. That would be the color. Yeah. Now you just gave that away. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I like the color he chose. Don't tell anybody. Well, All right, show us something box. else because so, we're yeah, running yeah, out of you, time you here. Drum roll. This is okay. Oh, that's the one. The Magnus Magnum Opus. Of Rolex. Yeah. Now, what is that called? I've never seen this watch before. We've named it. And I've never seen that band before. We've named it the Unicorn. So what you have here is amongst the world's most important wristwatches, full stop. Whether Rolex, whether Patek Philippe. Oh, my gosh. This fucking guy knows how to sell. I want this watch There you go with the F-bombs again. It is the one and only. That's why we called it the Unicorn. Let me just take a picture of it. The first and only white gold manually wound Daytona ever to appear. Wow. How did the person who who owned this watch, they knew they had a white gold Daytona? So it appeared on the market about 10 years ago. It appeared, and a renowned collector, his name is John Goldberger, bought it, and it was pretty much secret. Um, John White Goldberger. John, John Goldberger. Um, he, John Goldberger was interviewed on Hodinkee's Talking Watches, and that's mm-hmm. where uh, this watch made its public debut in 2013. And when it made that debut... The world went bonkers, uh, and this for it. band is so unusual. So the band, because the John Goldberger is such a great collector, the watch was so, came with a strap. Uh, he sourced and found an amazing white gold Rolex bracelet that matched. And what is that bracelet called? I mean, uh, we would call it a Milanese. A Milanese. Milanese bracelet, uh, and, and beautifully and, made. But where all, do you find a Milanese Rolex bracelet like that <laughs> and to, to fit? To fit. Um, the, the the lugs of the Daytona it's very difficult because it's 19 mm-hmm. millimeter most of it are 20 millimeters so uh, yeah he he it's found a little that. Vegasy <laughs> don't you think it's yeah. a little perfect bit, for uh, eating veal mil, veal milanese <laughs> you would have <laughs> yeah what, what's wonderful about it is 100 percent of the proceeds are going to Children Action uh, a charity wow. based in, what in a Switzerland watch. and um, yeah John Goldberger was saying he would never sell it but then realized with his Daytona Ultimatum theme sale. You know what? Now's the time to benefit society. Yeah, through yeah. It. And, and you're not, you know, it's another one of those things. You're not going to see another one. You're exactly. not going to see another one like that. Once I've never seen that before. And what would the estimate be on this? So the official estimate is the in March. excess of $3 million U.S. Oh. dollars. And we didn't have somebody to mug him. <laughs> He's <laughs> got an armed guy out there. <laughs> you want to mug him? So it, it He's going to blow a hole in you, man. It is the Rolex watch with the highest auction estimate ever. Wow. We believe in it that much. Well, it's beautiful. It's absolutely stunning. Is Thank that you. all you brought? I brought one more. It's How are you going to do our, better than that? It's an interesting watch, and I think you, you Spike, Spike, will like it a lot. Um, it's from our Geneva Watch Auction 7 sale, May 12th and 13th. That okay. follows Daytona Ultimatum. 
it's the very first generation Speedmaster. Oh wow! So another watch designed for I motorsport like that ended up being the official Moon Watch. This is the very first generation, a two nine one five one. It's a holy grail for people who collect Omegas. Yeah, the that's collection beautiful. Is su- the condition is superb. It has all of the features of the very earliest Speedmaster. Boy, that's really sweet. And it, it, a completely original, uh, remarkable uh, condition. Wow. Estimate? 150000 to 300000 So quite reasonable, Zuckerman. To the, uh, <laughs> I'm having overload right now. I've, I've lost Can you believe marbles. there's this, this whole world that you didn't really know about, and now it's you, right here at our table? You guys millions, should come. as you said, millions of dollars in watches in a cardboard box. <laughs> and he comes in with, Well, that's the best way to do it. Very, you don't want to be... But I love... What year is your... Rolex Daytona. So, so the one I'm wearing is it's a watch from 1986. Um, I purchased it from the original owner, and um, Jubilee I, bracelet. The Jubilee bracelet. He bought it with a Jubilee bracelet, but I wore it for almost. I bought it in 2005. So until just recently, when Rolex introduced the GMT Master on Jubilee bracelet, I realized how good sport watches look with Jubilee bracelets, and I put it on this. And it, it gives it a different look that I really like. Uh, then maybe that's what I'm liking about it. It's, it's a really, different. really gorgeous. I, I, it's the Jubilee bracelet. That's the, what you're reacting to. Is that what it is? Yeah, it is. For sure. It, I it, know. It, it changed the look a lot compared to the Oyster. And it's nice. Yeah, it does. It gives it a whole different look. You're just going to buy that right off his wrist, aren't you? (laughs) He buys he buys stuff all the time that we bring in here: cars, watches, and and look. You feel like you need that. You don't think that's too small for your wrist? With a jubilee bracelet, I think not. I've never seen one that has that presence on his wrist because I think we are similarly wrist sized. Well, we can find that for you. That's not going to be too hard. Well, I'll walk out of here and I'll forget all about it. But right now, I'm just, I have to say I'm very oh, impressed wow, yeah, with now this I can gentleman. See it from here. That he that. knows what he's doing. He's got the the touch. Thank You're you. right. The Jubilee bracelet does make it look it chunkier. Makes, it does. It works. It, it, normally, this watch at 37.5 millimeters is going to be too small. Too dainty. But with the Jubilee, it's an absolute home run. And I'm going to go to the restroom right now, <laughs> uh, and I won't be back. Your switcheroo. Yes, here's the switcheroo. Have Thank you ever Have you ever thought about a briefcase handcuffed to your uh, wrist? Um, no, because it's too obvious. <laughs> it's <laughs> too obvious, I'm begging right? to be robbed. Somebody just goes up and chops your, your right. hand yeah. off. No, no, you're going <laughs> to be fine. under the radar. So I welcome you guys to come visit us. Um, in Geneva. In, yeah, in and, Geneva, and if folks you, listening, you know, we were talking an awful lot about watches, and not everybody's going to get to see them. This is available online to look at this catalog. Philips watch, Philips.com or PhillipsWatches.com. PhillipsWatches.com, and it's called the Daytona Ultimatum. Ultimatum. The sale. Daytona Ultima- Ultimatum, Ultimatum Sale. You and call Paul Boutros. Yes, Boutros. Cousin of Boutros. Boutros. Golly. <laughs> Nephew Paul. <laughs> and he's going to hook you up with one of these beautiful watches. Well, thank you so much for bringing thank these in Thank you so here. much this for having me, Spike. This has been really Paul, fun. to meet you. We have to well. do this again. Next time you're in town with some stuff, I want you to come back with some other stuff. We'd be and very happy to. Open our eyes to some other brands. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and more accessible brands. That would be cool, too. Yeah, we have watches that start at $2,000, and they go up. But we search for the very best. So that $2,000 watch is going to be the very best example of that $2,000 watch. Fantastic. Excellent. Zuckerman, do you have anything to add? 
I want to start carrying around a box with several million dollars. I think that it would really improve my mood all day long. I want, I want yeah. to have a guy with a gun near me all the time. That's what I would really like. Shoot him. <laughs> no, I don't want to sh- shoot him. It's, shoot it's, her. It's people in traffic. Shoot them. Them, anyway. Yeah. Folks, thank you for uh, listening to Spike's Car Radio, Spike's Watch Radio this week. Next week, we'll have another fantastic guest. We'll see you then. Bye. Rabies. Thanks for listening to Spike's Car Radio. Download new episodes every Wednesday on the Podcast One app or subscribe now at Apple Podcasts or PodcastOne.com.